0: The title of my message is Run For Your Life. Run for your life. And there's a couple of things that we think about when we say that. And a lot of times we've, sometimes we, we're like, we got to run for our life. But my context this morning is, is to get in the race of life for eternity and run for a purpose run this life for a reason run for your life so every morning every morning the lion wakes up and he knows he's going to have to get up and run faster than the slowest gazelle in africa in order to eat And every morning the gazelle wakes up. And he knows that he's going to have to run faster than the fastest lion. Either way, if they intend to live, they're going to run. This morning, if you intend to live, you got to get in the race. Got a purpose have purpose. If you have your Bibles, this is great context this morning. Uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It talks about striving for a crown. It says, therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Everybody say, every weight. Every weight And the sin, everybody say the sin. Oh, by the way, the sin is the weight. Anybody ever have some of that kind of weigh you down? Everybody should be raising your hand right now. I said, everybody has a little bit of that. And the weight gets pretty heavy, the heavier the sin gets. The more we sin, the heavier the weight. Let me go on, I'll move on. Lay aside some of the weight. Is that what it says? No, No, it says every weight. And let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus as the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured. Everybody say endured. Endured. Jesus endured the cross. And he endured a lot of things. And a lot of times we're like, man, it's just so hard. Anybody with me? It's just hard. Well, it was pretty hard on Jesus too endured the cross. He despised the shame of the cross. Why? Because the shame represented the weight of the sins of the world. And when the weight was on him, he despised that because that was everything he came to redeem us from. Can you say thank you, Jesus? And he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What that means is when he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, that means he did what he came to do. He means he, he did it. That's why he could say it is. Yeah, it's all done. It's finished. First Corinthians 924. First Corinthians 924. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? Huh. That's pretty. I mean, so far we got that right. Everybody that runs in a race, runs. (laughs) Got it? (laughs) But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in some things. No. Is temperate in all things. Okay, I'll go on. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. Oh, I got something in the green room. Yeah, if you don't mind, run in there and grab it. If, if the door's not locked. It's, oh, you got a key. Bring it when you get ready. Everyone who competes for a prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it, it's a backpack, to obtain a perishable crown. To obtain it, stay with me. But we for an imperishable crown, therefore I run thus, listen to me, not with uncertainty. I just don't know. No, we do know. That's why we come to church. That's why we get in the Bible. That's why we have contact with Jesus. That's why we have access, because we need to know. We don't run with uncertainty. Oh, this even gets better. He says, thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. He said, he's talking about boxing. Boxing. You ever seen? They had a fight. We went to the U.S. finals a couple weeks ago, and they had a fight in the back alleyway, and it got on Facebook and it went viral. And it was just—it was like <laughs> you could tell. I mean, like, like uh, most of y'all could have probably whipped and with your one hand tied behind your back. But Paul says, "I don't fight like one beat in the air." He says, "I'm." Not, it's not in there? Must be in my truck. <laughs> it's been a hard morning, stay with me. Hey, some good things gonna happen. How many knows when things, bad things happen and tough, me? you have a hard time, something good's fixing to happen? I, I'm telling you, I, I'm kinda excited this morning. I mean that I've seen that all my life. I made me cry. I've seen a lot of this stuff, and I'm like, every time something bad happens, God jumps in it and makes something really good come out of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Paul, he was talking back in the Olympic. He 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 was talking to the Corinthians who started the Olympic Games, uh, and uh, they the Corinthians they were like sports. Fanatics. They were sports nuts. It was like 700 BC and it went on. The, the Olympic Games went on for a thousand years. And, and then one ruler put away with it because it, it had just become so vile actually. But so Paul, he's like, if this is important to you, oh, I think we're a little bit crazy about sports sometimes too. If we're not careful, sports will keep us from our destiny. And sometimes if we do the right thing, it will take us to our destiny. The key is hearing from God about what his plan is for your life. You're the man. I love you. Thank you. Paul wanted his readers to understand that the need to train and the desire to win applies to spiritual life as it does to athletic contests. Pastor Jason, he runs marathons or half marathons, and I'm like, if I would do that, it would hurt. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I don't. I mean, I can't run much. Run out of the barn, feed my horses, run back. That's about all I can. That's about all the running I do. But like a runner, Paul disciplined his body. His prize was an imperishable prize. Being physically fit in our culture today is popular. And being in shape is popular. I had a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago. We was talking about it. And, uh, and he, he's, he's pretty uh, rotund. And, and, and he said, he said, Well, Randy, round is a shape. (laughs) So everybody's got a shape. So uh, uh, a theological scholar said one time, he said, if Paul lived in our day, the Apostle Paul that wrote Corinthians, that he would read the sports page. Because he was was interested in sports and he often talks about running a race and the victor's crown, even about boxing. And the, the writer of Hebrews always used sports analogies of the Christian life. And the challenge of this passage is that life is seen as a lifelong marathon, it's an endurance, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint, if you will. Even today, in a marathon, everybody who finishes is a winner. You know, I mean, a lot of it, it's like you got to take your hat off to these people because a lot of them are just, they're just, they're dragging themselves up to the finish line because it's important for them to finish. It's not like T-ball where everybody gets a little ribbon. These guys work hard for this. Now... I don't really understand the mentality of marathon runners. I don't get it. I'm like, as much as I try to understand the why behind it, I don't understand it. Because it's like, it's like why? <laughs> but it's a little bit like, what Caleb was talking about, Rodeo Bible Camp volunteers, we don't really understand it until we get in the middle of it. It's kind of like having having our kids. It's like, man, I don't know about kids. Then you have them like, man, I don't, I don't know what I did without them. And so it's just, there's just a lot of things that we don't understand if we don't experience it. I'm talking about the game of life. Y'all stay with me, okay? So the King James, he calls it patience. Run with patience. The, the NIV calls it perseverance. Or we could call it a holy stick-to-itiveness. Either way, we must run with patience. We must run with perseverance. We must run with a stictuative attitude. And if we're not careful, there will be some distractions along the way. Some butterflies fly. Up. Is there anybody when you're talking, you think about something else, and then you just go off on another subject and you forget what you're talking about? It's the way we live our lives. But if we're not careful in the game or in the race of life, we will become distracted because how many knows that the devil is really good at distracting us from the race that's most important to us. And he knows just where to push our own individual little buttons. The writer of the Hebrews is encouraging us to keep on running and not give up to continue to the run run the race that's marked out for us. His words encourage us. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit enables us, gives us the strength and the power to run the race. The church encourages us and cheers us on to keep and to stay in the race. That's the reason we need church. We need one another. Everybody, look to your neighbor and say, "I need you." <laughs> we need each other. Amen. We really do. So his counsel is certainly it's applicable to today when so many when so many it seems are turning away from the faith. What is next what is what is this text telling us to do if we are to persevere in the race of life? How many knows that there's a lot of people that would like to call themselves followers of Christ but I would just submit to you today that if you are a follower of Christ I would strongly suggest that you follow Christ oh this the the, the simple is so obvious so we run for our life because our life depends on it you, you all know the story of the two guys in the woods and the bear takes out after him, right? And the guy goes, he's running. and That guy says, you can't outrun the bear. And he says, I'm not, I'm not worried about outrunning the bear. he's got to outrun you. you. You heard that one, right? Everybody say, run with a purpose. <laughs> so get a good start. It's important to get a good start. When, when I was a little kid, we had a Shetland pony, and we, we'd always get in pony races with the other kids. And my dad, he was a preacher, but he was uh, pretty uh, creative. <laughs> he said, "He said always kind of play like your horse is trying to run off with you, but always stay up in the front. That way, when they say go, you'll be in front of everybody else, and you'll outrun everybody. Just get a, little, get a good start. I got my buddy Pete from the racetrack. He's a racetrack chaplain here this morning. From, he's he's been a chaplain at racetracks all all over the nation. He's a guy and his his wife Sylvia. Thank you all so much for being here today, for your staying in the race. Thank you for staying in the race, because our life depends on it. In the in the in the rodeo event, in the saddle bronc and the bareback riding, you have to have your spurs in the point of the horse's shoulder is the first jump out of the chute and it, and uh, if if you don't have your spurs in the point of the horse's shoulder it's a rule and if you don't it doesn't matter how good of a ride you make out in the arena you don't get any score you all know that I'm sure but what they say is they say you missed him out you you missed him out the first jump out of the chute you missed him out i've seen a lot of good rides that could have won a prize. I've seen a lot of good lives, but they don't know Jesus Christ. The start is all that's missing in the both of them. Don't be like them. Let Jesus in. Don't make him say to you, "You, you missed him out. You missed him out. You made a great ride. You lived a good life, but you made one mistake. You missed him out." You see. The start is what's important this morning. If you're going to run the race, you got to start in the right way and accept Jesus as your personal Savior. If you want to run this race for life and you want to run for your life, accept Christ as your personal Savior because without him there is no eternal life. Good fuel is essential to perseverance in a successful race. Good fuel. What that means is you, you eat the right stuff. Whatever you eat in life is how you're going to live your life. Whatever you, if you feed yourself from the word of God or you listen to what everybody else says about stuff and how they, should, how they run the race. You see, there's a lot of people that don't know the word of God, it says the word of God is living and powerful. So when we have the word of God living and dwelling inside of us, that is the energy that helps us live for God and l- run the race with perseverance. When, when we get weak spiritually, we are weak physically, emotionally, financially, And when that happens, then we begin to draw back from God. But it's really all about a choice that we make. Do we want to run? It's just like the lion and the gazelle. You're going to run one way or another. I would just strongly suggest you run for Jesus instead of running from Jesus. So faith is the fuel that gives endurance. Faith is. Uh, The word of God is the engine that fuels the faith. Our feelings are the results of a healthy fueled faith. You see, too many people, stay with me please. Too many people make their mind up how they're going to run the race by how they feel. I just want to have fun. Tell that to the marathon runner about that in about that 15th mile. How fun is that? You know, faith and... Stay there. Faith in the word of God is what gives us fuel. And in that, with along with that comes feelings. But I don't always feel like serving God. I don't always feel like praying in the morning when Randy Rohn sends out his, his devotion. I don't always feel like doing my devotions. You see where I'm going with this? Too many times we make up our mind and we live our lives by our feelings. And feelings, my goodness, they're ex- exceptionally fleeting and fickle. So we ask ourselves the question, I was thinking about this running the race, and, and oh, by the way, last week was our 21st anniversary of being here at the Lone Star Cowboy Church. 20. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. And uh, I was thinking about all the people that have come down and given their heart to the Lord in 21 years. Many of you have been here for a long, long time, and you've seen a lot of the fruit of this ministry. Many of you are fruit from what's happened here at this church. Thank God for that. I will say this, that not everybody that commits their life to God follows through In Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? I'm just not going back to that church. They didn't do nothing for me when when I ran my my, mouth. You can make up your own stuff, right? So what we do, we figure out, we, we make up our mind whether we're going to persevere through, because I don't know if you knew it or not, but we don't ever, we don't always do everything right around here. So what that does, that gives you a wonderful opportunity to practice forgiveness. It gives you a wonderful opportunity to volunteer in areas that we're lacking here. It gives you a wonderful opportunity to become involved in the race and to become more diligent and to be more, have more endurance. Just because your thumb is in shape doesn't mean your legs are in shape or your heart's in shape. I'm so glad I came to church this morning. <laughs> so in 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 the racetrack, we we Darla and I was the chaplains, was a chaplain at the Sam Houston Race Park. We was the chaplain there for seven, for 6 years. And we would have devotions with the jockeys. And we would go in and out of the jockey's room, and every once in a while, the jockeys would come into the jockey's room just ticked off, throwing their helmets, cussing mad and everything. And one of the other jockeys would, would uh, what do you call it, when they claim, do, claim a foul, they would claim a foul, and they'd take another horse down. Because one of the horses would cut in on the other horse and foul the other horse and take him out of the race. And so, legally, they can claim a foul and they can disqualify the other horse that impaired the one that was running the race. And was just just minding his own business running his race. And somebody cut in on him. Be sure, first of all, that you're not one of those that cut in on them. And if you are, and it happened in the jocks room too, and they, the people go, they, they would p- apologize. <laughs> Man, I'm sorry, that horse, I, I just couldn't, he, I couldn't hold him back. And things happen in life. That uh, we always have Offenses. And especially if you're looking for an offense, you can find one much more readily than if you're not looking for an offense. People who look to be offended, they get to be offended more than anybody else. Who cut in on you in this race of life? You were running hard. Did you get cut off? Who was it? What are you, you gonna do about getting cut off? You gonna quit the race? You gonna get up or you're gonna to go to the hospital? You're gonna get some counseling over there? Listen, too many times we get so proud, we just go home and pout. God says, get back in the race. Can somebody say yes, sir? Let's stay in the race. How are you? If you choose to run in this race of life, listen to me, if you stay in the race long enough, somebody's going to cut you off. It's going to happen. 21 years, my name's Randy Weaver. I've been cut off a lot. But I made up my mind that God brought me here and because he brought me here, I'm going to grow where I'm planted. And sometimes I need to be pruned sometimes things need to be cut off but I'm going to grow where God put me and sometimes people get upset at me being a preacher and I have to give them a difficult word and it's a word that they don't appreciate and they get upset over it but my word to them is is that God put me here and I'm not leaving I don't know what you're going to do but I'm going to stick around because this is where God put me Figure out where God put you and grow where you're planted. It's a good word. How you choose to respond will determine your success or disqualification in the race of eternal life. So in Hebrews 20, 10, 23, it says, Let us hold unswervingly. Everybody say unswervingly. <laughs> it's good. To the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Amen and let us consider how we must, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as the as are in the as some are in the habit of doing But encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I don't know about you, but I see the day approaching a little bit quicker now than I've ever seen it before. And we all need to be encouraged. And the scripture says that we need to spur one another on. And that's the reason a lot of people, they they stay out of church. He says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the habit of some are. Many watch online. Because that's the only church they have, and we love that. And we encourage people to watch online. There's there's a group meeting in Tennessee this morning, listening to this message, because they value coming together. And even if you're by yourself, I encourage you to find somebody else and assemble together. If it's in your living room, if it's somewhere in, in, a, in a storefront room, wherever it is, we need to come together and not forsake the the assembling of ourselves together as the habit of some are. Let me tell you something. It's just as easy to develop a good habit as it is a bad habit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus kept cohesion in, uh, in he wants to keep cohesion in the church and for us to keep showing up in the, in the animal kingdom, animals run in packs. And I would say that the weaker the animal, the bigger the pack. But it's different in Christianity. It seems as though the weaker the Christian, the more they want to be by themselves. we're getting a lot of wisdom out of here. I don't know how that all happened. Lay aside every weight. So, in the racehorse world, if a horse can really run, they put weights in a little pocket of the saddle to make the race more even so the horse can pack more weight. It's called a handicap race where you handicap the horse with the greater gift to slow him down. They don't handicap the slow horses. They're already handicapped. (laughs) But I would say to you today, this morning, the greater your gift, the greater the enemy of your life will try to attack you. The more you're elevated in this world, the more Satan will jump on you. The closer you get to God and the more you do for God. You start volunteering for rodeo Bible camp and start teaching ministry and start doing. The devil's going to try to mess you up and he's going to cut in on you. He's going to even use Christian people sometimes to do it. But don't be deterred by those who cut all in on you because Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith because he had the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross and he said, unless you're willing to take up your cross and follow me, you can't be a part of my kingdom. Yeah. Run for your life. Yeah. Run, baby, run. We must lay aside every weight that will impede us. Unpaid tithe is a weight. Woo, got quiet there, didn't it? (laughs) Did you hear what I said? It says the tithe belongs to the Lord. And when you spend God's money, it's a weight. Because it says, will a man rob God? What does the word tithe mean? It means 10%. So when we don't give our tithe and we keep it and we keep it for ourselves, then we have this weight on us that is not decided. Now listen to me. God doesn't need your money. I'm not one of them preachers up here going, no. It's not about the money at all. God's going to build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It doesn't matter if the government gives you your write-off at the end of the year or not. God's church is going to go forward with or without us. But he said that he wants our faith, and he wants our heart. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And when we give of our tithe, we're saying, God, I trust you with this 90%, and I give you this 10% as an act of faith because I love you. I don't do it because I have to. I'm doing it because I want to, because I trust you. I'm not mad at the preacher because he's preaching about tithe. I want to please God. And if I can have an act of faith and give of my tithe, I won't have that weight on me of disobedience. Probably 20% of the church pays their tithe. And that's, that's across the board with all churches, right, Jason? I mean, all across the board, most churches all over America, only 20% actually pay their tithe. And, and you say, well, preacher, how come you're telling I'm not. I'm telling this for your benefit. Don't think that I'm doing this out of self, selfish motives. That's not my motivation. I mean, like, no. It's about you and your race for life and you running with good financial health. And let me say this, the more you're blessed, the harder it's going to be to give 10%. But let me tell you something, if you got, if you got a lot of money, we can handle it. I could get off on that, but I I refuse. <laughs> I might sin in the middle of it. <laughs> Our hours behind the runner in front of him the last marathon runner finally entered the Olympic stadium. By that time the drama of the days events was almost over and most of the spectators had gone home and Some of the lights had been turned off in the stadium. The athlete's story, however, was still being played out, limping into the arena. The Tanzanian runner grimaced with every step, his knee bleeding and bandaged from an earlier fall. His ragged appearance immediately caught the attention of the remaining crowd who cheered him on to the finish line. Why did he stay in the race? What made him endure the injuries to the end? When he, asked these, when he was asked these questions later, he replied, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish it. I didn't bring you just to start. He didn't bring you to this earth just to start. He brought you here to finish. The story is in Second in, uh, Samuel, chapter eighteen, I think. King David had a lot of problems at this point in time, and his son Absalom was trying to take over his kingdom. And Absalom had had recruited a great army, and and David uh, had also recruited an army to retain his throne. So the armies come together, and they fight a battle, and and David's word to his commander was, uh, don't harm my son, Absalom, even though Absalom was a rebel, Absalom had a lot of hair, unlike me. And he caught his hair in, uh, on a limb whenever he was riding his horse. And his hair got wrapped up on, in that limb. And uh, they went over there and, and cut his head off. Yeah, right. So Joab, the commander, he sends the Cushite. He said, I want you to go and. Back then, they didn't have the internet. <laughs> they didn't have telephones. They didn't even have, m- m- uh, like, n- nothing like that. All they had was runners, messengers, if you will. So they had special people who could run. So Joab goes to. And he said, I want you to run to the king and, and tell him the news of what's happened here. Ahimai comes to, to Joab. He says, hey, let me run, let me run. He says, no, not today. This isn't your day. And you don't have a reward for running anyway, he said. And so he sent off the Cushite. The Cushite takes off over the mountains. It's just a shortcut. And I says, let me run. Joab, let, let me run. He says, and, and uh, Joab says, you don't have any news. And uh, so he just stayed after him. And finally, finally Joab's like, well, run. So him as apparently he can really run. Because he takes off the long way, but it's in the valley. And he outruns the Cushite. And when they're coming into the into the town, the the watchman watches. He says, "We we got a runner coming," and says that he's running like a And David goes, "That must that must be a because he's probably bringing good news." And then they said, "There's another runner behind him," and and uh, so well, maybe it's really good news. And so a he comes he comes running up to the king. You know how it is, right? It was like it was like five miles just and. <laughs> And, him, and the King David, he goes, what's the news? He, what's the news? he says, oh, king, live forever. Uh, we've defeated your enemy. <laughs> what about my son Absalom? <sighs> <sighs> oh, well, there is a lot of stuff going on. I'm not sure. <sighs> David's like, go stand over there. So Cushite, he comes up and he gives David the news and he says, and he wasn't very tactful about it at all. And David took the news terribly hard. I thought about us. And I thought about God. And I thought about God's message, message to us, how He sent the word to us the message and he gave us everything that we need in order to run the life successfully and then man gets a hold of the message Ahima knew that David's son Absalom had been killed treacherously but he didn't want to give the message. He, you can imagine. I think I'll just let the Cushite tell him that part. Apparently, all the only thing Ahimei had ever been doing was giving good news. Because David himself said, oh, it must be good news. It's Ahimei. No, listen. Nobody wants to give bad news. Nobody wants to give difficult news. So what we do today, we build a lot of buildings in our world today, and we put a little cross up there, and we call it a church, and we give all this good news. You can just do whatever you want to do, and God's going to understand. It's going to be really good. And you know what God's saying? Stand over there. You don't have any news. As hard as it is, we have got to tell the truth. Amen. I'm going to quit with this story. There was a young man wanting to go into the ministry, and and uh, his seminary professor told him he needed to go talk to this farmer. So the seminary uh, young man, he went to the farmer, he says, he said, my seminary teacher said I should come talk to you because I want to be sure that I stay in the ministry for a long time, that I don't, that I don't uh, falter. And uh, he said, do you have any advice for me? And the farmer sat there in his rocking chair on the porch with the young man sitting there. His old dog was laying there right beside him. He said, you know, son, I got this old dog right here. said, the other day, he jumped up off the porch, saw a rabbit out there, and just took off running after that rabbit. said, after a while, he said, some of the neighbor dogs heard him barking. And they jumped in on the chase, too. He said, for about 20 or 30 minutes... All the neighbor's dogs and my dog, they was following my dog, and they were just barking, chasing that rabbit. He said, after a while, all the neighbor dogs stopped, quit the chase, but my dog kept chasing the rabbit. And the old man sat there for about five or ten minutes, and the young man looked at him and he said, I don't understand what, to, what you're trying to tell me here. The old man said, the answer to your question is in the chase. He said, do you know why all the neighbor dogs stopped chasing the rabbit? No. The old man said, the neighbor dogs never did see the rabbit. Here's what it says. It says, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Just because everybody else is coming to church and everybody else is doing their thing, and it kind of seems like the right thing to do. Listen, we got to see Jesus. He is the author and the finisher. You want to finish? You got to see Jesus. You'll quit the chase. Run for your life. It's worth it. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for all you do for us. We commit our ways to you and pray, Lord, you direct our path. And may we be faithful runners for you and for your kingdom. And may we not run in vain, but may we run with a purpose and run with a passion. I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second. This morning, if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, the greatest gift known to God and known to man is that you become a part of God's kingdom. To get in the race. I'm not going to invite you to come forward, but I do want you simply by raising your hand say, Preacher, I need Jesus in my life. And I need to make him the Lord of my life. Slip your hand up high. Preacher, that's me. I need Jesus. We want to put a Bible in your hand. Anybody? Yep, thank you, buddy. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. Need to get in the race. Holy Spirit's working on a lot of people right now. Yep, back in the back. Yep, thank you. Hands going up. Leave your hands up until we get Bible in it, please. Yep, thank you. Anybody else? Slip your hand up high. We'll wait on you. It's the greatest privilege known to man. If you, if you raise your hand, I want to pray with you. I want you to help me, and I want to help you. Uh, let's all pray this prayer together, and, and you believe in your heart. Listen, if you didn't raise your hand this morning, but you know you got to get right with God. you got to get it right. I want you to pray this prayer with me and really mean it in your heart. And let this day be the day that you start running the race. So let's pray. Just repeat after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus... Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward, I give my life to you. Help me to read my Bible, to pray, show up for church, and get baptized. Help me to run for my life and to be strong while I run. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me, please. I smell victory. I smell something. You right? I'm telling you, a lot of good things happen. Stay in the race. Might be a little beat up, but get up, get up. In Jesus name. Thank you. I want to pray for you. Tell you what it's worth about. Let's raise our hands and surrender to God. Oh, we surrender our hearts and our minds, our bodies and our souls to you. I pray, oh Lord, that you would help us not to contemplate running in this race, but just to do it. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for everybody. I thank you for everybody watching online, for the difference, Holy Spirit, that you're making in each and every one of these people that are watching online. We thank you, Lord, for them and for their lives and for their families, that you're changing their lives through your word, oh God. We pray, oh God, that you'd help us to be soldiers of the cross. Help us, Lord, to be messengers of the truth. Lord, I pray for everybody with their hands up, Lord, that they would be, that they would give the the true unwatered down message of Christ, O God, that we wouldn't just be bearers of the good news, but we'd also be bearers of the hard news, as long as it's the truth. But Lord, more than anything, help our hearts to be pure before you. And we thank you, Lord, that love conquers all. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody say it. Amen. We love y'all. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you. Got our prayer team up here. If you need special prayer, love to have you.